Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show on this grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. We will spend the next two hours here engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation on news and politics, books and writing, recreation, the outdoors, all kinds of good stuff. Uber producer Dan Peters is not in studio with us today. He is uh, he had just pulled the morning shift on the Main Street Cafe this morning with Beth Warden. Dan's still taking care of our news needs this afternoon, so you'll hear him pop in and out occasionally. But uh, he won't be adding to the conversation here today. So it's it's mostly just me, uh, along with a busy and chock-full schedule of guests and topics. I'll get to all that rundown in a minute. It looks like we may finally have some relief from the bitter cold this weekend, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, I was thinking about the the cold and how much easier it is to deal with it these days, you know, than than when we were younger. Most of us, we got garages. That that's huge. Uh, and even if you don't, today's cars just uh, they deal with the cold much better than they used to. I. If you've ever had one of those old 70s cars and that wow, 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 that's a bad sound. We used to have block heaters in the cars. Remember that? To make sure that they'd start in the morning. That meant you had to figure out some way to run an extension cord to the street. Uh, that became a particular challenge for me when I was in high school. I had this, I had a car, my first, uh, what well, was my first car? My first car uh, was the uh, 1971 Dodge van my brother and I bought with a three in a tree. Sweet machine. But then I had this car I bought later, a 1970 Plymouth Duster, Duster Red Dooley's. So my brother had the van. And, you know, when, so like when 1983, 84. Uh, but my mom had a car, uh, of course, the one in a series of mid-70s Plymouth Furies. So... All those bad boys lined up out there, all of them needing precious heat to make it through a South Dakota winter night. We also, where we lived over there in the North End, it was uh, uh, kind of on a kittywampus corner, you know? And so our our side of our house there was kind of, the street was kind of exposed. And we had a, a couple of uh, like hit and runs where people would slide into our cars. One got pushed right up over the, the, the plow bank and... Uh, you know, run into, and then they leave. So, you know, people sliding around on the streets, it was pretty bad, you know, because back in the day, as you'll recall, pretty much all the cars were rear rear wheel drive. Not, you know, now everybody's got four wheel drive practically. If, you know, everybody's got at least front wheel drive, about half of us are rolling the four wheelers. So it's really not even an issue like it was before. But if you had to drive in that stuff, you remember, it's just sliding and slipping and feathering it you feather the the throttle but my brother and i see we didn't want to subject our precious vehicles that were the the core of our existence at that point to the hit and run lottery out there so we shovel off a long stretch of the side yard to create kind of this uh protected parking area and then we strung extension cords from an upstairs window on the house Across the sidewalk, through the trees, then down the side of the tree, and then to the waiting cars there. I think about that on occasion when I see an electric plug sticking out from the grill of some old beat-up car, you know. 
you just don't see that much anymore. You don't see a you don't see a electrical an orange uh, plug sticking out of the front of a uh, uh, you know Chevy Suburban, one of the big big dogs, or a uh, you know Honda Civic. Even the systems are just so much more sophisticated. The starters are more powerful. Batteries are more efficient. You don't ever get that. You don't get in and put the key in, and you're thinking, "Oh, baby, here we go. Here we go. Give me it. Give me it." Thank God. Thank God those days are gone. Thank God for engineers and technology. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Thea Miller-Ryan. She, and she, of course, is the executive director of the Outdoor Campus, and she is bringing Terry Schmidt with the Sioux Falls Convention and Visitors Bureau. And together, they're going to double team and uh, tell us why people will be flocking to Sioux Falls for Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic next month. That's in the second hour. Also in the second hour, Jason Kurtz of the Full Circle Book Co-op will give us a bunch of news of interest for local writers and readers. Jason and his uh, cohorts have a bunch of stuff going on. It's really exciting. Coming up after the break, we'll have the Buffalo Maiden. She'll check in from the Black Hills Bureau, actually on the road from the Black Hills Bureau over to the Bucolic East River. She'll be in for weird friends. And after that, we'll preview the Frosty Frolics weekend, which is going to be fabulous, with Scott Yonke of the Sioux Falls Parks and Recreation Department. I'll have a PL statement just after the break. Ooh, we're going to talk, uh, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about drilling, uh, but and some other Trump stuff, a little sessions maybe. But uh, you know what's really got me heated up today is this uh, out-of-state fundraising ban that'll be on your ballot in November. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 314 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Try and get a little closer to free today with the Bodines. Oh yes, it's time for the PL statement, and uh, let's get right into it. A couple things uh, nationally that caught my attention today. Uh, first of all, Trump. The administration says they plan to open basically everything to drilling offshore in the United States. I, you know, you can go look up the details on that. I'm not going to go into too much about it, but it's not going to happen. And simply put, we don't need it. The world is changing, moving away from oil to electric energy produced by wind and solar, increasingly solar. Uh, China wants to be solar. They're getting, they're going to, they want to use less oil. It's probably not going to happen, though. This is, oil is still cheap, so demand is depressed. There's going to be big resistance from the states on the coast, Republican and Democrats. Uh, already Florida's Republican governor, I believe, is all worked up about it. But, you know, long term, this belies a short-sighted and destructive outlook. We just don't need it. I don't, it's no point in this. None. Zip, zero, zilch. Uh, let's see here. Oh, the session stuff. You've been hearing about this all day, right? And so people now want uh, 
Jeff Sessions to resign. It's coming from the Republican congressional members, some of them. Uh, But there's a story that started in the New York Times today. uh, And uh, there's, you know, there's various versions of it around. But basically, uh, President Donald Trump directed the White House counsel to tell Attorney General Jeff Sessions not to recuse himself from the Justice Department's investigation into potential ties between Russia and the Trump campaign, according to a person familiar with the matter. Uh, so essentially, Trump sent uh, Don McGon, 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 his uh, White House counsel, and uh, he sent him to talk to Sessions and try to tell him not to recuse himself. That's bad. That's bad. That's a, that's a bad idea. So, you know, if you go read the New York Times story on this, that is the original basis for the AP report, it is an amazing detailing of all the circumstances surrounding the president's actions regarding Comey and Sessions. It's disconcerting, to say the least. I don't know that it's definitive terms of, uh, definitive in terms of obstruction of justice or anything like that, but it raises a lot of questions about the actions of the president that are going to come out in that special prosecutor report from Donald Mueller. And in a lot of significant ways, it's it's all the president's doing. He does this stuff to himself. I don't, I mean, despite the whole thing about the book, the fire and the fury and all that, I mean, this at some measure is worse. It, you should just go read the story. It's, it's amazing. I, I don't know why the president would think that he can, the, every step he takes here seems to make it worse. And whether or not there was collusion now is kind of a secondary question, isn't it? Uh, but what I really want to talk about today and uh, what I want to spend the most time on is uh, the out-of-state funding raising, fundraising ban for initiative initiatives will be on the ballot this year. This is an AP story. A South Dakota ballot measure that would ban out-of-state fundraising for citizen initiatives will go before voters in November. The state's chief election official said Thursday. This came out yesterday, but I didn't have time to get to it. But it because it's, it, it upsets me, okay? This is the deal that it's going to be called Initiated Measure 24. And it is pushed by uh, Republican House Speaker Mark Mickelson of Sioux Falls. He, the son of the former governor and grandson of a former governor who chose not to run this year. Uh, He says that this measure, this ban on outside money in ballot measures is necessary to preserve the ballot process for state residents and prevent, quote, out-of-state liberal political groups and business interests from using South Dakota as their playground for their ideas. All we are asking for is the people live under the laws they advocate for. That's... So last time in the 2016 cycle... We had Marcy's Law, we had IM22, and there was one other one I'm leaving out, V. These things all attracted a lot of attention and a lot of money from out of state, particularly Marcy's Law, which was driven by a California billionaire. Nobody in, I mean, it was all out of state, and it was done that way. But people, you know what, they voted for it. As much as I hate it, and a lot of people think it's bad, people voted for it. So this would uh, prohibit contributions to ballot question committees from non-residents, out-of-state political committees, and entities that haven't filed with the Secretary of State's office for the preceding four years. It's uh, even the... Anyway, I I don't understand Speaker Mickelson's endgame with this initiative. 
it's so clearly a restriction on political speech that it's impossible to believe that he sees it as actual policy, but rather some sort of shot across the bow to progressives who increasingly have turned to the ballot box for occasional victories. It's so bad that even the attorney general's explanation of the initiative says that it's has is questionable constitutionality. It is. It says it's likely to be challenged on constitutional grounds. I don't want to put words in the attorney general's mouth, but it is likely to be challenged on constitutional grounds. From the story, the U.S. Supreme Court has interpreted the First Amendment as prohibiting any limitations on money in ballot measure elections, said Paul S. Ryan, vice president of policy and litigation at the nonprofit Common Cause. Quote, I'm confident that there are no other laws similar to what is being proposed in South Dakota, Ryan said. The high court has said that contributions to candidates can be limited to prevent the corruption of public officials. Backers needed nearly 14,000 valid signatures, valid signatures for the South Dakota initiative to go before voters. Supporters turned in roughly 18,000 and a random sampling found about 81% were valid. It could still be challenged up till February 5th, but it looks like it's going to be on the ballot. So that's the second one that's been certified. You'll remember the, uh, the uh, second coming of IM-22 is going to be on the ballot as well as a constitutional amendment W. But this this really galls me, okay? Not because it what is what is perhaps more concerning about all this is speakers Mickelson's targeting of out of state what what he calls out of state liberal groups. First of all, you shouldn't alter the ballot process based on political philosophical leanings. We got to keep the liberals out. Well, that's ridiculous. Maybe one day you'll be considered a liberal, Representative Mickelson. Second, it's not particularly true what he says. I don't know that Marcy's Law, which is purported to be a crime victim protection measure, which a lot of people don't like, is politically based. It was the passion of a California billionaire, as I said. Is he liberal? I, you know, is protecting. The, the identities of crime victims, liberal? I have no idea. But I do know that the problems that have been created in the wake of Marcy's Law are disliked by people in South Dakota of all stripes. So I don't get what he's talking about there. Then there's IM-22, which, as we know, was passed by the people in 2016 and had a whole gob of stuff in it, including campaign contribution limits, uh, uh, ethics panels, uh, you know, uh, it was a, it was an omnibus uh, anti-corruption measure, as it was called. And I've said many times, I didn't like IM22 for a lot of reasons. One is, I don't think that an ethics panel is, or campaign contributions are going to fight corruption as much as transparency. The One of the big problems we have with campaign finance in South Dakota is the lack of reporting. And no real penalties when you don't report. So the legislature gutted 22, put in some other stuff that is marginal at best. And yes, there were national interests behind TakeItBack.org. Yes, there was national money involved in that. But there were and are Legion South Dakotas involved 
South Dakotans involved in the effort as well. Yes, one of them is Rick Wyland, who was a Democrat and worked for Tom Daschle and ran for a House and the Senate unsuccessfully against Mike Rounds. And Dre Samuelson, who used to work for Tim Johnson, who was a Democrat. Yes, many of them are liberals, but there are moderates involved as well. When did it become undesirable to express a range of ideas in a working democracy? The answer is that it didn't. It's not desirable. It is, in fact, desirable to have a range of ideas introduced into the public arena. Whether those ideas are from in-state or out-of-state is immaterial. We actually need ideas. We actually need critical thinking in the state of South Dakota. South Dakota has only a fleeting familiarity with public discourse, political discourse. I am 24 is evidence of that. Surely, Speaker Mickelson isn't suggesting more restrictive caps on campaign spending. If that's what he believes, he should have supported I am 22, because that's one of the things it would have done. Surely the Speaker can see the validity of political speech. As I've said many times, arbitrary caps on political contributions don't solve anything whether that's from the liberals of the late IM-22, now Constitutional Amendment W, or the entrenched Republican patriarchy behind initiated Measure 24. This is just bad policy. Intended to curb the political influence of people with whom the Speaker disagrees. It's poorly conceived. It's not clear-eyed thinking based on the public interest, but instead... It's self-interest, clothed in xenophobia. That's the only way I can see it. It's not good government. It's not in the best interests of the people of South Dakota. It is in the interests of the supermajority of the Republican Party in South Dakota. Plain and simple. That's the bottom line on the PL today. You can agree or disagree with me, and I'm certain many of you do disagree with me. Email me, patrick at ksoo.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Show. That's at P-L-A-L-L-E-Y-S-H-O-W, Show on Twitter. We're on Facebook, of course, KSOO. You can watch live, as many, many people are doing right now. Okay, not that many, but there are people on there. And you can communicate with us through that as well. Coming up on the Patrick Lally Show, following the news and weather, we'll talk to the Buffalo Maiden as she makes her way across the great state of South Dakota, somewhere out there between Sioux Falls and the Missouri River. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 3.33 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we were able to make connection with the Buffalo Maiden for Weird Friends somewhere out there in the vast expanse of South Dakota, where I assume she has pulled over to talk to us on the phone. Buffalo Maiden, are you not moving? 
Oh, absolutely. I'm pulled over. I'm at a lovely rest stop area. Uh, White River, I believe, is where I'm at. Are you even across but the I, river yet? Oh, yeah, totally. Is it White River? I don't know White what it's Lake. called. White Birch? White, White Lake. Lake. That's it. One of those things. <laughs> How many times have you made this trip, Buffalo Maiden? About a thousand? Oh, oh my gosh. Probably 10,000. Well, I was trying to find you on the radio, and I heard the theme song to Chariots of Fire, so I was waiting and waiting because I assumed that was what you picked, <laughs> and it wasn't It wasn't you. But I had this vision of you running you know, across, which that was kind of scary. So I lost track of where I was. I uh, I was singing earlier the Bodines. Oh, I kind of lost control. Oh. I hope I yes. I, I, when I listen back to the podcast, I'll see how that went. But I have I have concerns. I'm sure not very well. Yes. So you're <laughs> you're headed this way, and I am. And how crazy is that? It was 35 degrees this morning, sunny, beautiful in Custer, and then I literally went down a hill, and it dropped a hill, not a mountain. It dropped 10 degrees. And then I dropped another 10 degrees, and I was in a just thick fog and ice for the longest time. No, Why do you ever leave? I don't know. I don't get why. <laughs> I, I almost turned around and said, forget this. But if it was not for uh, dear friends, uh, it's time to come over to this, this side of the state for a few days. Are we? Uh, um, but are... I do have a parka and, and those <laughs> snow boots, those bunny snow boots that the yeah. military wear. Well, it's warming up for you, though, probably just because you're coming. Right. It's going to warm up for like a day, but we'll see, we're like 45, 50 where I live, and then you guys are seven. So <laughs> it's kind of crazy. But I did stop along the way. So, you know, you have to stop at Wall Drug and get the maple donut, see, um, which is awesome. What is with the donut thing in Wall Drug? People, you but, know, in, in as long well, as I've fabulous. been in media, people have been bringing donuts back from Wall Drug. And I'm like, people, they're just donuts. No, no, no! It's not just a donut, okay. Pat. It's not just a, it's not just a donut. It's not it's not like just a radio show or just a bike. It's not just a surly. <laughs> it's a fabulous donut that they make uh, right there, which which they you know they burnt down years ago the the donut area. So they have changed the recipe years ago, tweaked it just a bit, but uh, they're still uh, quite delicious, and they sell a, a boatload of them. So um, they're very successful with that. But the next stop was Kadoka at the uh, Badlands Distillery. Oh, yes. So when I was coming back from the hills the other day, I stopped to get gas there, and I did not know that that's where it was. Yeah, right there. I don't think it was open because I was really early in the morning. Did you go in? Oh, sure, sure. It's good. It's very good. Um, He just does whiskey right now, and he grows a lot of the product that he uses in his whiskeys uh, right on the ranch. And so um, I have a couple of samples uh in the car here that are unopened that oh. um maybe you can try later did you did you take a just a sniff or like a little sip or did you do a taste i just took a little i just i just sniffed it okay let's say i just sniffed it yeah but um but then as i was heading out from there you have to get the uh vivian you need gas yeah so you have to stop at the gas station and get the um rice crispy bars you know i've had and those those are good <laughs> Those are really good, very good. I don't know very what the deal thing. is, but those are that's a pretty good Rice Krispie bar there at the gas station at the Vivian stop. It's perfect. They're perfect. They do a great job. And then, of course, the I would have been closer, but I had to have the um, hot beef sandwich at El's Oasis. <laughs> really? You got a hot beef? You know, that is well, good. Well, it was cold 
cold out. You got to have something hot when you're cold and you're driving yeah. and you got all these truckers around you. You just feel like, you know, if you were a trucker, Sounds you'd be good. eating that hot beef sandwich. So yeah. I was trying to, you know. <laughs> it's just just um, trying to fit in? Yes. You know what and I. And then the last. Yeah. You know what I normally get at, at Al's Oasis, though, is the bison burger. It is pretty good. Yeah. The last thing is Kimball. Do they still do the. They used to make the homemade uh, popcorn balls. And I stopped and I. I um. I can't find them. So I don't know. i got to check into that a yeah. little bit more. Isn't there but some sort of like uh, cafe in Kimball that everybody loves? Dua Diddy's. Yes, that's it. With their sign that says, eat here, then get gas. Isn't that funny? <laughs> right next to it, they have a gas station, too. So I was like, uh, really? That's pretty funny. Oh yeah, well, I've not been okay. there. I gotta. I, I. I. I just don't ever stop in Kimball. I don't really have any reason to stop in Kimball. But I, you know, if I was taking a nice leisurely cruise across the state, maybe I would do that. But I. I never. Well, they usually there. have the cheapest gas and the popcorn balls. But I gotta. I gotta look into this a little bit more. Sorry, Kimball, if you still do them, and I. I just missed them. Don't you? Don't they also in Kimball? There's a, a, a like a bar or something where they have a lot of live music, like Americana. Really? Yeah. And this is huh. a fairly, like the Back 40, I think it's called. Isn't that Kimball? And, yeah, and they get, like, bands and stuff there. Um, is it there? It is, yes. Are you in You Kimball? know what? I'm, I'm not usually going through there at nighttime. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I used to, but not now. Uh, we got a comment on Facebook that says from uh, Lori, Lori Lee Larson Keating, wall drug donuts are the best. So there you go. You've got some affirmation <laughs> for your comment there. I know, yeah. I know many of my former colleagues uh, in the print media also agree with you, but i just never been able to get behind them. But yeah. there you go. Hey, uh, I see today that they sold that uh, that abandoned prisoner or whatever it was in Custer. What was that thing? Uh, we like to call it Star Academy, oh, okay. not a, a prison or boot camp. Star Academy sold to the uh, ex-mayor of Custer yesterday for the asking price. What was it, like two point? Three, four, or four, yeah. three million dollars. I can't remember. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for a big old building. Um, some of the local uh, state representatives were upset because they wanted to, to be made into a state drug and alcohol treatment facility, um, which there's a lot of money to be made in that, I guess. I don't know. But the, yeah, it'll be interesting. They want to do some kind of. What did they say? Did you see what they. I, they want to bring industry to Custer, which is awesome. So, uh, you know, 100 jobs they're promising. I think it's something to do with some kind of green car system. Well, you know, said maybe low, a bicycle. Yeah, they said uh, low carbon footprint. Maybe it'll be a, a, a bike manufacturing. Or maybe a Flintstones, you know, with that connection. It might be one of those cars that runs on, you know, foot. <laughs> that could, might be it. They're going to build Flintstone cars. Yeah, well, you know, and they said there's three anonymous uh People that are backing the obviously the mayor, ex mayor, could not afford it. He's a young man who doesn't even own a house, but um, a nice guy, very nice guy. Uh, so I'm wondering, I speculate, you know, there's only so many people in this county that could back. Yeah. Well, they don't have to like be that. in the county, you know what I mean? No, no, they said locals. They don't oh, want really? their names out because they don't want to get involved in politics. <laughs> <laughs> they just That's want to make money. Funny. Well, maybe, maybe it's those, uh, aren't the Strider bikes? That's a that's a the product Strider? of the Black Hills, right? They are made, in, uh, yes, and he's originally from Custer, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're set up. They're fine. I they think, got their gig going. I think we're onto something. Somewhere we're expand, adult Strider bikes, and they're going to build them in Custer. I've just landed upon what it is. 
Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so, hey, do we do I get to see you this weekend? Am I invited to this thing? I can't remember. Uh, not tonight. No, no. sorry. Not, to, not tonight. <laughs> I see how you dress, and you're not. Uh, no, but tomorrow night, yes, for okay. sure. Okay, good. I'll keep in touch. You just have to get me the There's deets a couple on new that. Places downtown that uh, need to be checked out. So uh, hopefully we'll see you down there. Yeah, right on. Buffalo Maiden, thanks okay. for uh, taking a moment from your long drive across South Dakota to fill us in on the the various uh, uh, dining, ex- what am I trying to say, it's dining stops along the state. How's that? Sounds yeah, Yes, it will be. Um, it's funny because at the time I've been sitting here at the rest stop area, I think these truckers are starting to think that I'm uh, soliciting, so I better get on the road. <laughs> you got to get moving. I'll see you okay. soon, all right? Okay, bye-bye. Be safe. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, we're going to talk with uh, Scott Yonke from the Sioux Falls Parks and Rec about the big uh, frosty frolics this weekend. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 345 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And that's Flog and Molly, Devil's Dance Floor. I just like to start playing that in January because it gets me in the Irish mood. Gets me feeling a little bit better about myself and uh, the cold weather. But uh, I play that not for Scott Yonke, who is our next guest. He is the recreational recreation program coordinator for the Sioux Falls Parks and Recreation Department. And he's here to talk about Frosty Frolics, which is... Like underway as we speak, is it not, Scott, or very, very close? In about 15 minutes. Yeah, and what's the what's the big kickoff? Well, actually, Great Bear opened up at 3 o'clock for their $5 tubing, and then in about 15 minutes, uh, the ice skating rinks open up with free skating all weekend. Free skating all weekend. That is a, that's a nice deal. Yeah. Now, skating is, uh, you normally don't have to pay if you bring your own skates, right? That's correct. You, so you're, this is like the rental. This is the rental of the skates. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. anybody who wants a skate, you show up and they find you a nice pair of big old plastic skates and you can go out there and roll around a little bit. Absolutely. I did it last year. It was really fun. You I'm, I'm going to head back out. So Frosty Frolics, um, I didn't know this. Uh, it came to my attention yesterday. This is actually the 30th year of Frosty yeah. Frolics. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I didn't realize it either. It kind of sneaks up on a guy. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been around for about 16 years. so I was going to um, say, you weren't at the first one. <laughs> no, no. But it's gotten bigger and bigger every year. What was the origin, origin of it? Do you know? I don't. I don't. I think the uh, philosophy behind it was just to get, to get people outside to have kind of a winter festival here in, in Sioux Falls. Yeah, and now it's turned into a multi-day, multi-event. There, there's so much stuff going on that you can't go to all of it. Right, and multi-organizations are a part of it as well. So tonight, it's it's the kicks off tonight with the tubing out at uh, Great Bear, and it's a yep. reduced cost, is it not? Or is it the same price? It's $5. $5. Okay. So that's nice. You can go out there and experience tubing. Uh, give me some of the highlights. I know what I'm doing tomorrow, which What's is that? I'm going on the fat bike ride. Right. Right. There's also a 5K in the morning. 5K, 5 and 10K at 9 a.m. starting at Spencer Park. Can I still get in on that deal? Or absolutely. To, okay. Um, you good. may not get a T-shirt, depending on how many people show up, but uh, you can absolutely. Um, I'm coming to run. Right on. And is that timed and everything, or is yeah. it just kind of a fun run? We'll time it. It's a fun run, and yep. we'll do. We'll have a timer there if you're interested in to uh, to hear your score. Why does the city? Uh, why do you put so much effort? And I mean, it's a lot to do. Organize all this. Why do you do it? Well, 
is recreation. Yeah. And that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so um, hopefully it drives people outside. I mean, we've been stuck in, in the house for quite a while here the past, you know, two weeks. And so um, it's exercise. It's family time. It's all of the above. So, uh, um, yeah, hopefully people get out. Uh, the city has done a lot. The Parks and Recreation Department has done a lot to expand opportunities year-round, but there's been there's a lot more going on during the winter than there used to be. Is that is that just my uh, perception or is that reality? No, I agree with you. Um, you know, we've got uh, a number of indoor facilities that a lot of people are unaware of, and so and they've been around for 20 years. And so we have, uh, and I'm referring to the community centers. Yeah. Um, as well as our, you know, our partners with, uh, how, with how, the Iceplex. Yeah, how many co- community centers are there? There's five. Five of them. Wow, yep. and they're hooked to various schools around, and you can find all that yep. uh, on your uh, on the website at yep. SiouxFalls.org is the uh, city's website. Yes. But give me some of the other highlights of Frosty Frolics this weekend, other than the fat bike ride and the, and, the, and the run. What else you got going on? Well, starting at 10 a.m., we have the Ice Fishing Frenzy out at Family Park, and that's in cooperation, coordination with the outdoor campus. So we will have staff out there uh, helping families if they want to try ice fishing. And then at 10 o'clock as well, there's story time at the Prairie West um, Library. Uh, that's just west of Memorial Park. Um, and then we go to 1 o'clock at the Arboretum. We'll have a snowshoeing tour guidance yeah. um, for families as well. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's Saturday. Um, you mentioned the fat bike ride. Um, 1, 1 p.m., right? 1 p.m. at Tomar. Yep, and ride down to the falls and then back. And then back. And that's with Fast, right? Yes, yeah, correct. Yep. Falls area, single track, the mountain bike people. Another uh, another great partnership. Yep. And then uh, tomorrow night is the laser light tubing back oh, at yeah. And that's going to be busy, I'm guessing. Yeah, I had Dan Greider on earlier this week, and that kind of scares me. <laughs> so I think it's cool. Yeah, so yeah. they crank up the tunes, they turn off the lights, and they put on the lasers. I, you right. Know, it's going to freak me out. Yeah, and that starts at 9.30, so that's a little bit of a uh, later start. Yeah. Yeah. So that's tomorrow. And then there's some, something going on Sunday, right? Oh, yeah. Sunday again at uh, 1 o'clock out at the Bear is the snowboard races. Um, 1 o'clock at Memorial Ice Rink, Memorial Park, we have sleigh rides. Sleigh rides? And that should be a great day. It's going to be 30 degrees out or yeah. close. Um, so, yeah, bring the family out for that. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's free skating. And then at 2 o'clock at the Midco Aquatic Center, there's a flick and float event. Yeah, I saw that. What is that? <laughs> What's, I know what floating is, but I don't know what flicking is. Flick and float? Is that a kick and float? Or I don't no, get it. No, you watch a movie on the big screen. Oh, a movie, a yeah, flick. A flick. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I think it's frozen. So there's going to be it. little girls out there watching. <laughs> and, uh, um, you do that at the, uh, at the, the pools in the summer too, right? We or used they to do have... it outdoor. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, what else, anything else on Sunday that we need to know about? Uh, that wraps it up, and the rinks are open till 8 on Sunday because, because there's school the next day. So. Oh, okay. So they usually close at 9. 9 on, on Saturday. The yeah, yeah, when there's no school. Public school. So uh, the weather is going to be, you can't ask for any better no, weather for No, we're getting you. lucky the way it looks. Uh, tomorrow's going to be a little windy, uh, but we'll get through it, that's for sure. And then Sunday, like I said, uh, last I heard, it was 29 degrees, um, sunny, so that's going to feel balmy. Yeah, you, you didn't get the ice skating rinks open just in time, like a cu- couple of weeks ago, right? Well, yeah, it's a little bit later than what we like to uh, yeah. because of Mother Nature. Um, but it's been really good ice since then. Well, yeah, since we've uh, since the temperatures dropped, uh, it didn't take long, to, you know, to get the ice uh, 
ice rinks up and going. And the beautiful thing about ice skating uh, on the city rinks is you have fabulous warming houses and services there. So it's not like you got to jump out of the car and go skating. Yeah. Uh, you can go out, skate around a little bit, come back in, warm up, skate around. It's really fun. We have hot chocolate and popcorn in there too. 50 yeah. cents. See? That's outstanding. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the best deal going anymore. <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. You're right. How much? I mean, the skates don't cost that much to rent even during when it's not free, right? Right. It, it depends on the size, but it's $1, $2, or $3. Ooh. So, you know, for $5, you can go skating and have some uh, snacks. Spend as much time as you want, right? <laughs> that's right. They're not going to kick you out of there. No. no. So the, the skating rinks are, uh, I'm going to go through them from memory here. All okay? right. Tut Hill. Yep. Memorial. Yep. Which is on the west side. Campus Park. People forget about Campus Park. 26th Yeah, and Summit. Uh, Terrace is gone, right? Correct. No more Terrace. Yeah, wow. Uh, McKinnon is there. Yes. Right, right. Um, east side, there's got to be Frank one. Frank Olson. Frank Olson. You're forgetting Boom. one more, though. The big one, or one of the main ones. Let me think about this for a second. Da, 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 da. Oh, Sherman. And one more. Oh, <laughs> you, <laughs> so you forgot one. Uh, one more. Is it not Keen? Oh, it's a famous one. Keen. Oh. Big Hill. I said Tut Hill. Oh, you did? I'm, oh, I was I'm my sorry. first one. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. Tut Hill, sorry. the biggest hill in town. Actually, it, and it's quickly now turning into the biggest multi-use park in the city of Sioux Falls because you've got Frisbee golf there, ice skating, uh, the hill, of course, which isn't really a the sledding hill that it once was. Right, not lit but, and everything. Yeah, it's still But now used. they're putting in mountain bike trails. Yes. And we have some cyclocross races there sometimes. So and weddings. Go. And weddings. That's right. On top. weddings. Oh, my God. Yeah. Every uh, weekend. So it's fabulous. Uh, Frosty Frolics, if I want to get the full schedule, where do I go? Our website. Siouxfalls.org. Yeah. And then uh, any backslash or anything like that? Parks. Parks. Backslash. I'll try and get that up on the Twitter feed here. I'm 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 sans Uber producer Dan Peters, who takes care of all these details for me. So <laughs> I have to do that on my own. Uh-oh. Uh, Scott Yonke, he is the Recreation Program Coordinator. Did I get that right? Yes, he yes. did. Yep. Recreation Program Coordinator for the... Sioux Falls Parks and Recreation Department. It's Frosty Frolics Weekend, people. It's going to be fabulous. Get out there and have fun. Scott, thank you for coming to the studio today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Coming up after the news at the top of the hour, we are going to talk with, uh, we'll have, first we're going to talk to Alex Alisi from KDLT Weather. That's going to be followed by Jason Kurtz. And we're going to talk about books and a really cool new thing they're doing with the Full Circle Book Co-op. And at the uh, bottom of the hour, We'll have Thea Miller-Ryan and Terry Schmidt. We're going to talk about pheasants, pheasant fest, people. It's coming. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 357 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. With the House Martins Happy Hour. Hey, quickly, I want to tell you, Mr. Yonke, Wanted me to tell you that there also is a Teen Cosmic Skate on Saturday night, 7.30, out at the Iceplex as part of Frosty Frolic. So don't forget that. That's DJ and all that kind of good stuff, Saturday at 7.30. Also, this just in from our man from our man on the scene down at the press conference today about the uh, siding for the event center, Scott Arisman. It says, the report says, working is, it is working as a weather barrier, but many flaws in the way it was attached. It should not have been attached as flat panels. The report said, should have used curved paneling. Curved paneling, what a, what a novel idea that is. Anyway, so more on that. You'll be hearing a lot about that, but I couldn't go to the press conference. I got to do a show for you people. That's why I'm here, to help.
Coming up after the news and weather at the top, we'll talk with Jason Kurtz from the Full Circle Book Co-op. Good stuff going on there. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are joined by Alex Elisi, Chief Meteorologist over there at uh, KDLT Weather Center. Alex, you, uh, you, you told me yesterday that there wasn't going to be a lot of wind tomorrow, but now it looks like there's going to be some wind. What's going on there? Yeah, it's kind of hard to hear you. I don't know if that's... Yeah, how's that? That's on my end or your end. It's a little better. There. I'm pushing some buttons. We might try and make this work. How's that better? Um, so you told me there wasn't going to be much wind yesterday, but it looks uh, like it's going to come up a little bit tomorrow, hey? Yeah, yeah, we'll start getting a little windier on uh, Saturday, but also with the wind, we're going to start bringing in some warmer air, so that's the good news about that. Yeah, it's still going to be a great weekend for Frosty Frolics, right? It is, it is. Actually, we're looking like we're going to see a little more sunshine on Sunday. Uh, we're looking like we're actually going to get a better chance for some mix, but that'll be really early in the morning on Sunday. By the afternoon, we'll get a little bit more sunshine. That daytime high will work its way up to about 34 degrees. Great. Yeah. Say, I know it's always uh, tough to, to look out too far, but yesterday you were talking about the uh, uh, the front that's going to be coming through sort of next week sometime, right? Yeah, so next week around Wednesday, Thursday, it's actually more of a low-pressure system. It's going to work its way up from about Colorado. It looks pretty potent. So our warm temperatures are going to last through most of the week. But as we get into Thursday, we're going to see the winds really picking up from the north, and that's what's going to drive our temperatures back down. And uh, a lot of uh, precip yet? We don't know. Uh, it's kind of too early to tell on that yep. front. Um, our models are very different <laughs> between hey, them. Yeah, you uh, know, you guys talk about these computer models all the time, all mm-hmm. right? So how does that work? So, like, so the reason why they're so they're off yeah. that far away is because that low pressure system, the the thing that's going to bring us that weather, it hasn't developed yet. So the models, I mean, if you if you don't have a good input, then as they go throughout their equations, that little bit of a difference, few days out, turns into a big big problem. It's a big discrepancy. So each model tries to make the best now cast it can, runs all of its uh, equations as it goes day by day by day, and then it outputs what it thinks is going to happen. So, so since you, that you flow hasn't that developed com- yet, it doesn't have a good sense of the actual current conditions, and then it creates some big chaos towards the end. <laughs> so you're sitting at a computer, right? Mm-hmm. And and you got all the, ba- you got probably got a bank of computers, right? And so you're, you pull up like the European model or whatever it is. Yep. And, and they have one set of calculations. And then and then some other guy in a different part of the world has different calculations. Yep, the GFS, that's the, the the model we use, the American model. That also runs its own different set of equations and algorithms, and that's why they come up with, uh, sometimes they'll, they'll come up with basically the same thing, which is great, because that means they have a good sense of what's going on. But when they're this far apart, then they don't really know what's actually happening immediately with this low pressure. So that that's the trick. Who's right the most? Who's right? The, mo- the European model tends to outperform the GFS. Really? Yep. Why is that? Do you think? Just, <laughs> just the way those equations are are, are run. Hmm. They they have a better handle on on their algorithms. So the GFS couldn't just like go poach one of the European guys on the free market and bring him in and <laughs> get better forecasting. <laughs> we would hope. Actually, I think Panasonic. I believe they have their own third party model now, 
and they're taking a bunch of inputs from airplanes as they're flying oh. around in the atmosphere. And apparently their model actually outperforms the European model. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. It makes sense. You know, they're up there. They can, you know, they got little sensors on them and such. That'd mm-hmm. be pretty neat. And that all comes down to uh, tropical forecasting, too. Like when uh, Irene was coming through, they, um, they were sending up extra weather balloons out mm-hmm. here in the Midwest. And now it's just so that they can send that data into the models so that they get a better understanding of what's happening in the atmosphere now so that when you forecast hours, 24, 72 hours later, there's not as much chaos and noise. Oh, right on. And you, have, of course, have to put your own interpretation on all that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why, like, especially snowfall, like that one event we had the other day, the models, I mean, they dip way down. I said, no, I don't, I don't think that's going to be a case. And you just kind of stay persistent with your own forecast. You look at what the atmosphere is doing and kind of make your own interpretations. And you nailed it, right? You nailed it. I did. I was yeah. pretty close. I was happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So what are we? Tell, tell us again what we expect over the next couple of days and what's going on right now, Alex. Yeah, sure. So right now we're kind of chilly. We're at 5 degrees temperature out the door. The cloud cover streaming overhead, but we'll see some changes as we go overnight tonight. Our temperature is going to drop down just a little bit. We'll get down to negative 4 overnight. But then as we go through the day tomorrow, we'll slowly warm back up into the upper teens, get up to 18 degrees for the high. And actually that high or that low into Sunday morning is going to be 18 because we'll hit about 18 around midnight. And then our temperatures start to warm up as we quickly through the morning on Sunday. We're going to get to a daytime high of 34 degrees on Sunday with some afternoon sunshine. We'll be tracking just a little bit of mix early in the morning around like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. And then as we go into Monday, going mostly sunny, up to 31 degrees, 39 on Tuesday. Wednesday, we start to see those changes happening as that low pressure starts to build and work its way up from the south to the north. So we'll get to 35 for the afternoon, then more cloud cover will start to build in. It'll be a little ominous. And as we go overnight into Thursday, tracking that chance for snow and the temperatures falling through the afternoon. Thank you, Alex. You got it. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Four fourteen on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Howdy. And little uh, a uh, little Nick Lowe when I write the book for our next guest, Jason Kurtz of the Full Circle Book Co-op. Jason, thanks for being here, man. You bet. Uh, we're scrambling a little bit here, scrambling. Uh, so I, uh, you couldn't hear the music. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we are live and uh we got jason on the line because he has some exciting stuff going on with the full circle book co-op uh and am i saying that right jason yep um, gotcha. so you we've had you on the show before you started off with a facebook page south dakota rights and you've been expanding and doing a bunch of different stuff ever since um uh how, what's the latest on your uh uh next venture you're i know you want to have a like a retail space uh and and i'm wondering if you can give us some uh, the latest update on what's going on with that well we do have a building picked out and uh they had some difficulty with getting some of the regulations uh worked around some of the city ordinances which i uh, listened to the program yesterday i understand that's a deal <laughs> exactly so, uh, but it seems like that's been all cleared up in the last two weeks. And so they got the green light to move forward. And so they're waiting to hear back from their contractors so they can give us a date when the remodel on the building is going to be finished and then we can move in. So we're very close to uh, announcing the location and the opening date. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. And uh, remind people a little bit about what your concept is here. 
Well, as you mentioned, uh, I've been running uh, South Dakota Rights since 2016, and my business partner, Sean, has been running the Block Collective since 2016, and we've always been struggling to find some event space, especially for nonprofits to use at a economical rate. And so we decided that we were going to create that space for the artistic community in Sioux Falls. And so to help fund that, we decided we would pair it with a used bookstore and a beer and wine and uh, small food uh, establishment. And so that's kind of the concept is kind of a multi-use space that'll offer a lot of venues for a variety of different folks from live theater to open mics to boardrooms and, uh, of course, selling quality used books and kind of building the community around that. Yeah, and you've uh, you've been collecting books uh, on you've had been having a, a sort of book collection days. What are you up to yes, now? We're over fifteen thousand now. My garage is bursting at this point. So <laughs> that's a lot of a books. Great, yeah, we've had a great turnout, and we get a couple people a week because we do pick up at any point. If you contact us through our Facebook page, we'll come to you and pick them up. And I just picked up seven boxes yesterday. So how's your back? No. <laughs> A little stiff today, actually. <laughs> Nothing like moving boxes of books, Jason. That's... Yeah, my parents gave me a, uh, a rolling dolly for Christmas so that maybe I could save uh, <laughs> save my back a little bit. That's a good plan. But uh, in addition to the uh, uh, outlet, the sort of the entertainment retail outlet, you've got a lot of events coming up. Um, you've been involved with a lot of different, uh, you guys are doing anthologies and, and magazines and everything else. Give us what's coming up next. Well, actually, we have a great event coming up here on January 27th from 1 to 5 at the main court of the Western Mall. We have at, Already, we have 23 authors signed up to sell their own original work from here in the local area. I just got three more added on yesterday, and so it, the, the authors are definitely um, excited about this event, and we hope that the community will come out and support that. Uh, that's through South Dakota Rights and through the Full Circle Book Co-op which will be selling original work in the, in the book, book co-op as well, along with original art and some other yeah. things. But uh, um, we always have Writer's Happy Hour on the third Monday of every month, and so that's kind of been something that we've been plugging away at for almost two years now, so that's awesome. And then... Uh, and where's that? Uh, where is it? At, still at Monk's? Yeah, traditionally we've... It was at Bog Trotters originally, and then mm-hmm. we've kind of hopped around a little bit, and we've been at Monk's most recently, of course, and then when we get the shop open, we'll move it over there. Outstanding. So uh, you've also, I saw something about um, you're looking for submissions for writers for a uh, magazine? What's Absolutely. That? We're, we're uh, launching a new poetry magazine out of Sioux Falls here called Pinzés Intime. Uh, and it's French for intimate thoughts. Basically, you know, all poetry is from the mind of an author. And so we uh, do have a call for submissions out for that. And that'll be, uh, the submissions are due on February 15th right after Valentine's Day. And then uh, we just completed a, a call for submissions for an anthology book that we're going to be putting out that's entirely multimedia. Um, and that was the Midwest Apocalypse, and that closed on December 15th, and we had over 100 submissions for that. And so we've been piling through that and getting ready to publish that here probably around March 1st. 100 submissions? Yes. That's amazing. impressive. And, and yeah. how many of them are you selecting? Well, we've, we've kind of been walking the fence on what we're trying to do. With the book co-op, we're trying to build community. So we're going to try to put as many of the submissions from individuals as we can. 
um, they could submit at least three pieces, up to three pieces a piece. And so we're trying to, uh, um, we're trying to navigate which ones are, we're going to go in and which ones aren't going to make it. So, <laughs> yeah. And what form is that going to take when you're all done? That's going to be kind of in a, uh, well, it's hard to describe. There's a magazine we're kind of modeling after, but it's a, uh, a thicker book style magazine actually is what we're, we're going for there. And then the poetry anthology will be a thinner, more traditional, uh, poetry style magazine. And where are you publishing all these through? Is that still like uh, using uh, Amazon self-publishing or what are you using to do this? Yeah, right now I think that's the way that we're going to go, mostly because we can control the quantity that we're going to. A lot of our authors in South Dakota write self-published through Amazon and some other locations, and, and we can control the number of copy that we have to purchase at a time. And so it makes it a little bit more economical in that regard. But we also are trying to work through some publishers here in town as well. So there's a variety of avenues that we're looking at for the magazine on a we're, we're hoping to do uh two of the poetry ones and two of the anthologies a year at this point so we're just kind of kind of see when the shop gets open how daunting that task is going to be and whether it's going to be annual or biannual or how that's going to work yeah it's very exciting uh, tell me how much uh how, how much has the group grown the south dakota rights group it seems like has has really taken off if you're getting this many submissions and this many local authors that's pretty impressive yeah it's <laughs> I tell you what, I get amazed every day. We put a we put the call out for authors who might be interested in coming to the local author book fair, and I believe we have eight authors that uh, joined South Dakota Rights that we had never even heard of before. Many of them have multiple books that they have been um, attempting to sell independently, and uh, new writers every day are cropping up. And because of the benefits that Amazon Prime offers, they can put their book up on Amazon Prime, and they can download hard copies and sell them themselves and we've seen a a great influx of that we started out with about eight people and i think at last count we were up to about 575 so 575 people that are like facebook group members or what does that mean yeah facebook group members is where we're at with the group and then um i would say that of that group we have I mean, two years ago, I didn't know a single published author in South Dakota. I knew they were here, but I didn't personally know them. Right. And now I think we're up to about 150 people that actually have completed books that they're, you know, trying to get into a venue. And so that's another reason why we wanted to start Full Circle Book Co-op was to give them a brick-and-mortar location to have their books on a shelf somewhere. 150. That's yeah. a lot. And how many of them have become, uh, you have something called author members, right? Who people who, yes. who actually pay a little bit of money to be part of your organization, and how is that growing? That's going really well. That's kind of what I was referring to. Is we've had seven new author members just since the first of the year that didn't even know our organization existed, and we've been online and doing all kinds of advertising and things for about a year and a half, and it still seems like there's those corners of South Dakota that just don't <laughs> get to. So yeah, you know, um, how much of your uh, of these authors are are very. Uh, regional, meaning they deal with regional topics and uh, uh, themes. I, I bring this up because of the um, obsession slash fascination of Mr. John Lauk uh, with regional literature. And you know, John's been on this program and he's written a lot about this, but how, mu- how much is do the regional themes and the local themes and, and places and people uh, influence the, the, the writing of your of folks around here? Well, I think... It's kind of a, well, I'll answer it in two ways. Uh, about 80% probably of the books actually 
Well, let's say more probably 70% of the books actually have specific South Dakota themes. Um, they take place in South Dakota or they're, you know, that kind of thing. But obviously all the authors are from South Dakota or from very close by or have roots here in Sioux Falls or in the South Dakota area. And so, granted, we have a lot of fantasy novels and things like yeah. that that don't take place in Sioux Falls, but we also have authors like Ben Jones from DSU who writes about Eisenhower's gorillas, right? So that isn't necessarily South Dakota-based, right. but, you know, because he's from South Dakota, there's going to be, you know, some of his leanings in his writing, even if it's nonfiction. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So uh, how do I get a hold of you if I want to, if I'm interested in reading any of this material or if I want to participate, what do I do? Well, the easiest way we have uh, South Dakota Writes has a Facebook page and so does the Full Circle Book Co-op and you can contact me personally through either one of those. Um, I love just suggesting coming to our events if you want to meet some local authors, the Writers Happy Hour or the write-ins that we host at the, right now they're at the public library. We've got one coming up on Sunday. And uh, just kind of show up and see kind of what we're about. The local author book fair, you'll have the opportunity to probably, by the time we're done, have over 25 authors that are going to be sitting there waiting to shake your hand and visit with you about their work and about the organization and what we've been doing. So That's pretty exciting. The local author book fair is January 27th. Is that a Saturday? Or yep. is that a Sunday? Saturday, January, January 27th, Western Mall, Center Court, 1 to 5, 25, uh, maybe up to 25 local authors with their product. So that's pretty, that sounds like fun, Jason. Absolutely. I appreciate the update, sir. Jason Kurtz, he is the uh, co-founder of the Full Circle Book Co-op and the South Dakota Rights uh, nonprofit. Uh, thank you, sir, for uh, filling us in on, on what's going on in the world of literature. You bet. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Coming up after the news and weather. We'll talk with Thea Miller-Ryan and Terry Schmidt about the Pheasant Fest that's coming next month. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Well, I moved into this room, if you could call it that, a week ago. 432 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000. Jason Isbell brings us into a, uh, a segment on Pheasant Fest which you've been hearing about forever, and we needed to know more about it. So we brought in Thea Miller-Ryan and Terry Schmidt. Uh, the, you know, Terry Schmidt, how long have you been with the Convention and Visitors Bureau? Well, let's see. I'm 27 years old. Yep. <laughs> and um, let's see. Started Actually, when you were four. Yeah, I started, went, well, way before birth. Um, <laughs> I have been there 34 years as of this past week. Wow. Nobody, nobody is a bigger booster of Sioux Falls than Terry. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. I mean, that's what you have to be in your job, right? Well, yeah, that's that's what it is. You live and breathe it. And so uh, Thea Miller-Ryan, of course, is executive director of the Outdoor Campus, and she brings guests with her every Friday. I do. And, and she said, I need to bring Terry Schmidt in because we need to talk about Pheasant Fest. So, Terry, there was much uh, uh, ballyhoo about if we build this... Uh, uh, you know, event center and all that, and we need more convention space and all that, we can get something like Pheasant Fest. And we did. Right. And what is it? It is the 2018 National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic. I You always leave the quail part out of it, but I, I noticed <laughs> that was on there. And I'm like, whoa, the quail? Good. Now that I have to be official on the air, I thought mm-hmm. I better say it correctly. Yeah, no, it's fair. That's fair. Yes. Because quail are, are you know, the often neglected game bird. 
That is true. That or is true. In South because Dakota. pheasants are so pretty. Yeah. Well, quail are pretty too, but yeah, they do kind of get the diss. You know, I'm going to work on that yeah, little quail promotion. Now they Thea's going to tell us how good quail tastes. <laughs> they do taste <laughs> do they, do they taste, You know me too well. <laughs> do they taste like chicken? <laughs> they taste a like, little bit like chicken, yeah. Depends on how you prepare them. Yeah. Don't use cream of mushroom soup. Don't. Yeah, no. Last we week, talk about this all the time. What you do with pheasant. <laughs> well, you can. What were, what were we eating last week? I don't remember. Oh, gosh. We've eaten everything, I yeah, think, on every we, show. We, we did not. Uh, we I think we eat. talked about eating squirrel, but we didn't. I think it was right. rabbit. Something, you know. Possum. I'm not sure. Yeah, raccoon. Pa- raccoon. <laughs> no, we're not eating any of that. So we're talking about pheasants, which are a fine, fine bird, a beautiful bird, South Dakota state bird, and also a huge economic benefit. But my question is, so this is the Pheasants Forever organization. They're, they're involved, right? This is their national convention. Kay. Yes. Why would they, why would all these people want to come here in February to sit around and talk about pheasants and hunting? Well, because they're, they're pheasant and quail hunters, it's a passion of theirs. They want to come and learn. Uh, you know, there are seminars during the convention. Uh, they want to learn more about hunting and about the habitat. They want to see what's new in guns. They want to buy new clothing. They want to hobnob with all the big shots from the National Pheasant Fest organization. Um, they want to look at dogs. I mean, there's going to be puppies there. The dogs are awesome. Oh, they melt your heart. <laughs> puppies. <laughs> they are. So cute. So, uh, but it's so many people that we didn't have enough room for them before. I mean, that, that, so it must be a lot of people. What are we talking about here? Well, they're expecting upwards of 25,000 people to come in over the three days. You've got to be kidding me. No, 25,000 people. It's the largest convention ever booked in the state of South Dakota. So Holy we're excited cow. about that. Um, the convention center, the, I call it the old arena, the arena, the Sioux Falls right. arena, and the Denny Sanford Premier Center will all be vendors all solid exhibitors throughout the entire complex so you might need three days just to get through it all well (laughs) for sure for sure i mean think about walking up and down Mm -hmm. through all of those aisles i can tell you um one exciting bit of information about the vendors uh, that i got from the national office today and that is they are almost sold out of all vendor space and it has sold faster for the Sioux Falls Convention than in any other market they've held this in. Well, I mean, at some measure you can understand that because we're the pheasant capital of the world, Yay! right? Yeah. So, but coming here in February, see, if, if I'm running the thing, I think you, you hunt in the fall, right? right? It's not even hunting season. But they hold this last year, Minneapolis, Des Moines. Yep. They hold it in the Midwest where they're could very, very possibly be snow and cold during that time, and they get the people there. And yeah. they don't come here to hunt during the Pheasant Fest. They come here to see what they need to get for their next pheasant hunt to make it even bigger and better. Well, that's pretty cool. And, I, you know, I suppose uh, Pheasants Forever wants to keep people in the places that support pheasants. Well, you know what I mean? That's true. Exactly that's, right. You know, the bonus for this year is that it is South Dakota, or excuse me, yeah, South Dakota's 100th pheasant hunting season. And it's the 35th anniversary. So you throw that into the mix of all the pheasant enthusiasts in the immediate area, and that just adds for a bigger uh, celebration. 
So yes. Game it, Fish and Parks is kicking off our 100th anniversary of pheasant hunting in it's South 2018. Dakota. It, it's actually in 2019 oh, okay. when the Got first it. licenses went on sale. But we're, excuse me, we're kicking off a year of um, 100 years of pheasant hunting. So in the state of South Dakota. In the state, yep. So I'm trying to remember the folklore behind pheasant hunting. So mm-hmm. somebody brought them, transported, they're not as we know, native to South Dakota. They are, in fact, an invasive species. (laughs) Somebody brought them here to start, to to basically raise them as game birds, right? Right. Um, Yeah, I I can't remember where it was. I mean, it wasn't Norbeck, but but somebody somebody prominent. Somebody in the middle of the state, too. Yeah. Um, Out by winter, my hometown. Okay, maybe you know, yeah. I'm making that up. (laughs) (laughs) In there, that winter is the peasant capital of the world. Yes. Go Warriors. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) All right. This is going to yeah. turn into a Nas family conversation here <laughs> yes, in a minute. Yes, it is. So the uh, uh, so the pheasants came right. to South Dakota and they had the first season in 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 nineteen eighteen nineteen 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 nineteen. Mm-hmm. Then the war came and it it didn't get really big. I think it was actually Joe Foss, right, who really he had a lot to do with yep. it. Yeah, I, former I governor and World War II flying ace yeah. Joe Foss, whose statue is that? Yeah, great can't big miss him. Piece of art at the at airport. The airport mm-hmm. Yep. But he he somehow got behind promoting it. Uh, he was involved with, I think, well, he's involved with the uh, American Football League, and he's involved with all these different organizations. And he was really part of the dro- drove it, and made it famous, right? Um, yeah, he had a lot to do with it. But um, you know, just South Dakota itself having great habitat at the time and uh, having having a abundance of birds. And having, um, you know, people hunted a lot more back then, too. And it just grew. It became legendary in South Dakota. It is kind of surprising that if this is the 35th anniversary of the of Pheasant Fest yeah. or the Pheasant Forever, that they haven't been here in some <laughs> measure before. And simple reason, there was never enough space anywhere in the state for them to convene. In all 35 years. Well, I'm sure somewhere yeah, okay. way back there they, just they could have, but didn't. Yeah, they they generally have it in bigger cities. Terry and her crew worked for at least seven years I know of. You know, we went back and looked. Our first contact was actually 12 years ago. Is that right? Yes, but we we came back after it with a vengeance seven years ago, and it took all that time to to get us where we are today. Um, Because you knew at some point we were going to have more facilities, right? That's when you said, well, if we're going to build this thing, which is... That's yes. when the, the conversations really started in earnest again. Yes, and we brought them here when the event center was just mere drawings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they said, well, we'll see, we'll see. And then we went a couple more years, and it was we'll see, we'll see. And then when we broke ground, we went right back after them again and said, it's real. Come back. And we brought, I mean, they've been down here for site visits probably four or five times over the years as we have grown Mm -hmm. and when they saw the real thing i mean it has taken some jockeying it isn't a perfect situation because we are not able to feed the people at the convention center complex oh yeah Uh, ideally you would want that to happen for the banquets i'm saying now right um so the banquets are actually at the ramcota which works out fine uh, it's a great facility. It's just that it's not on site. No, it's a little ways away. Yes. Um, we're going to come right back and talk more with Thea Miller-Ryan from the Outdoor Campus and Terry Schmidt from the Sioux Falls Convention and Visitors Bureau about the invasion of 25,000 pheasant hunters and quail 
pheasant and quail hunters <laughs> and enthusiasts of all sorts in February. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 444 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are continuing our conversation with Terry Schmidt from the Sioux Falls Convention and Visitors Bureau and, what's your name again? Thea Miller-Ryan. She's from the Outdoor Campus and she's with us every Friday and she always brings friends, which I really appreciate it because it makes my job so much easier. Um, Terry, we've been talking about Pheasant Fest, which is February, what are the dates again? 16, 17, 18. Three fabulous days of uh, all kinds of stuff regarding pheasant and quail hunting. What does this really mean? I mean, 25,000 people, okay. What's it, is that, it's the biggest convention ever. But this is, you know, we're not a tiny town. I, am I really going to notice these people? I think you're going to notice these people. Um, even in Minneapolis last year when we were at the show, you could notice these people. Um, you know, some of them are going to stay overnight. Some of them are not. So the hot- hotels are going to feel the business. Uh, restaurants are going to feel the business. Restaurants, retail, service, you know, gas stations, etc. My call out to Sioux Falls is please be ready. Uh, have your people with their best smiles ever. Um, roll out the red carpet, take a piece of paper and write Welcome Pheasant Fest and slam it in your window. Um, you know, roll out the hospitality, welcome to Sioux Falls, are you here for the Pheasant Fest? and be ready, service these people. This is an opportunity for us. If we do well as a city, not just as a convention center or as a CVB, but as a city, we have the opportunity to bring this back every four or five years. If we don't do well and the community doesn't wrap their arms around it, they will move on to another community because this is what towns want. This is, you know, five, six million dollars in economic impact in three days. This is job security for a lot of people. This is sales tax generation. Certainly, um, we get a lot of conventions and we hear a lot about what um, what these and not just conventions, but like the Garth Brooks concerts, you know, brought in all these people. And, you know, but it's hard to get when you say we need to roll out the red carpet. Don't we roll out the red carpet every day? I mean, it's it's uh, it's hard to get people to be interested in something they don't have a direct relationship to. Even if you're even if you're a restaurant owner, you're a uh, whatever it is. You got people coming and going all the time. Right? How you know? It's I don't mean to be. I'm not trying to throw water on it at all. But it's hard to get people to be motivated about this one event. You know what? You make a really good point. And the the thing that that. I should say, too, is while I'm sitting here pleading with the public to roll out the red carpet and put on your smiles, Sioux Falls is so good at doing that. And we're known all over the place. And every time an event's here, the soccer tournament this summer, they can't get over the hospitality in Sioux Falls. I guess I'm just so passionate about Mm -hmm. wanting this to be such a huge success that I'm like, make sure, make sure, make sure, you know, that you've got that smile on. So, um Sioux Falls still cares a lot about what happens in Sioux Falls. Our people are our biggest asset. And why should they care? Maybe they shouldn't, but you know what? Most Sioux Falls people do care because they're proud of Sioux Falls and they love their hometown. 
where are these? So how much of this are uh, folks are regional hunters and how many of them are from, you know, when, when, during the season we get people from Georgia and Texas mm-hmm. and all these places and we think it's a big deal. But how much of the folks for the convention are people who are associated with the industry? So they're coming in regionally, whether that's Minneapolis, Des Moines, Nebraska, what have you. I think it's going to be, Thea, you may know, but I think it's going to be probably two-thirds regional. Um, yep. That's, you know, I don't have that officially, but that's my guesstimate. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's going to be some national people here, vendors from all over the nation, no doubt. But Saturday we'll see more national. Sunday will tend to be more open to the public of the area mm-hmm. and the region coming to see what it's all about. Yeah, so I can just go walk through it? Sure you can, yeah. There. Well, you have to pay at the door, but yes. Oh, man! <laughs> How much? Um, you can buy a three-day pass... And I will tell you that in just a minute. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's okay. If you have a South Dakota hunting or fishing license um, from 2017 or 2018, free admission. Oh, there you go. Yep. So so basically all pheasant hunters are welcome. All pheasant hunters are welcome. And quail hunters. But honestly, even if you don't have a small game license, um, it's going to be worth it. It's going to sound a little bit high. When she says it, but, <laughs> but yeah. it's going to be worth it. I am Maybe not I should just get you. a license, this right? Is, yeah. It would be about the same, yeah. Okay. $33 is a small game license for a South Dakota hunter. Um, and I think that the daily, I could be wrong, I think well, it's 35 you can buy a full weekend pass if you're a member for 125 and that includes everything. I see. If you're a member of Pheasants Forever. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And to become a member uh, and buy the pass, it's 140 so you get a really good deal. There's a pheasantennial Friday night, which is going to be a beer dabbler. A what? Beer. Did you say beer? Beer. Oh, okay. Beer as in yum yum. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Shocked to hear that there may be uh, adult beverages associated with this in any way whatsoever. After the hunt. Yeah, no, I understand that. (laughs) And then Saturday night is the big National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic Banquet. And it is food, 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 and it's fun, fun, fun. And Steve <laughs> Ranella, the outdoorsman, the meat eater, uh, TV host, is going to be the guest speaker. Raffle, silent auction, live auction games. It's a great banquet, lots of fun, and it's open to the public. Both nights are open to the public. Are there any sort of uh, like educational stuff about CRP or, you know, habitat? I mean, what do we, can I go there and learn something other than? Yes, there are seminars during the whole event. Okay. Um, So last year I was at the Game Fish and Parks booth, the South Dakota booth um, all weekend. And there were constantly events about habitat and what different governors are doing. A lot of different governors come to this conference too and represent their state and talk about, you know, why we're, we're really the best place for pheasants in, in the United States. What sort of pretenders are we talking about here? Who, who's trying to take us, who's trying to in, encroach upon our dominance in pheasant hunting? <laughs> North Dakota? Come on. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Maybe Nebraska or Kansas right. a little. Yeah. All right. A yeah. little bit of Minnesota. Yeah, the, you know, like in Iowa, those aren't real birds, are they? <laughs> they're little, no. They're no. little runt pheasants. <laughs> they're runts. Yeah. There's also a precision ag workshop. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's good for really uh, good. But new approaches to put your data to work to maximize yeah, your but that's ROI int- for egg. I mean, that kind of stuff's interesting to farmers. Yeah, yeah. There were well, lots of pollinator sessions. sessions last year, so they had a lot of bee and butterfly people there. Really? Yep, yep. Talking about the research that they've been doing in the citizen science that's happening, where people are just volunteering their time to go out and count 
bees count yeah. butterflies and uh, keep track of that because, of course, pollinators, um, bees and butterflies, they get eaten by pheasants. Yeah. Um, but they have to have habitat. It's all about habitat. It is all about habitat. Mm-hmm. And we've been suffering a little bit in terms yeah. of habitat because of the reduction of CRP acres. Exactly. And some other things. Um, pheasants Forever is a, is a huge organization. Um, are they really... How involved are they in public policy in terms of habitat issues? Because it's a big deal. Well, I'm not a member of, of I'm, I mean, I can't speak for Pheasants right, Forever. Right. I'm a member, but I can't speak for them. But um, they're very, very, I see them very involved because they have people who work with public lands, people who work with habitat um, all the time. And there's full-time jobs even here in South Dakota um, that are Pheasants Forever people working to create more habitat and more birds Every day, I figured they would. That's part of what they do. But I, you know, I see the stickers on people's cars, yeah. and that's 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 as far as my knowledge of pheasants forever goes. <laughs> they were created in 1982 as an organization, and since that time, they have spent 634 million dollars wow. on 502,000 habitat projects, benefiting 14.1 million acres nationwide. Hmm, it's impressive. Yes, it is. Um, so it's coming up. We want the restaurants to, to be nice to people. <laughs> we want the mall to be clean. Um, what else? Are, what uh, You know, nightclubs? What, what are we talking about here? Everything. Everything. Okay. Everything. From yeah. hotels to retail to gas stations People to driving down the street. You know, you're going to see those out-of-state or out-of-city license plates. Give them a little bit of break because there are 20,000, 25,000 extra people in town. And if they don't make the turn at Kiwanis and and uh, 41st Street, don't lay on the don't horn right the away. Bird, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's, let's just be you nice. Could, can't, you, you could come up with some sort of uh, campaign slogan about the bird for the birds. Or <laughs> yeah. And we're don't. turning the falls orange while they're here. Oh, geez. We're what, really? you darn right. Okay. Hey, we're going Bring every out the extra. orange carpet, not the red carpet. Oh, there you that's go. Right. Are you using that? Bring out the orange carpet? Well, that's pretty cool. Terry, what a, uh, I don't mean to get off on pheasants, but what off of pheasants, but what is else is coming up in your world? What do you, what do you got going on? You always got stuff in your hat. <laughs> well, we have the National uh, Catholic Daughters Convention coming up this summer, which is going to be very big. We've got a national softball tournament coming up this summer. We have bids out on... So many conventions, it makes my head spin. Um, Do we need more? We need more space, right? We need more convention space. It's holding us back, and we are losing business, yes. So how many, like, how big a convention can we do now? This is big. A convention where they sit down with breakout rooms and um, comfortably 3,000 max. That's not that big, is it? No. And Omaha, Des Moines are our major competitors and all anybody has to do is look at their websites. They're adding on. They're leaving us in the dust. Yeah. Sioux Falls has to move forward. Terry Schmidt from the Sioux Falls Convention and Visitors Bureau and Thea Miller-Ryan from the Outdoor Campus. Uh, thanks for coming in and filling us in on Pheasant Fest. It's February 16, 17, 18, out at the big uh, convention and entertainment complex on Russell Avenue in Sioux Falls. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. We'll be right back on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 457 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Don't forget, folks, you're going to want to pay attention. 
Jackson Empire on tap. It's coming up January 27th. Two Falls Convention Center. 100 craft beers, more than 60 breweries. It's going to be fun. Go to SueEmpireOnTap.com for more ticket information. Coming up on the show tomorrow. No, Monday. It's Friday, baby. Becky Rasmussen, a call to freedom. We'll be here. We'll be talking about human trafficking. Have a good weekend, everybody. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.